seven. Well, it's the end of the week again, and you know what that means. You have to listen to me. Oh yes, my name is Corey, and here's another podcast for the week. Have you entered the Eric S. Brown and David Dunwoody Zombie Flash Fiction Contest? Well, you should. Why is that, you ask? Well, first of all, you only have to write 500 words. No more. (laughs) 500 words or less. You have to fit a whole story in there. And uh, yeah, so it's only 500 words. Pretty easy to write 500 words. And uh, you can win some very cool things. Uh, Mr. Brown and Mr. Dunwoody are giving away some books, and it's just a great time. So email them to Corey at MidnightCorey.com by uh, midnight on the 4th of July, this Sunday. So I'll give you all day Sunday. So while your family and friends are all out having picnics or, or grilling or uh, you know setting off fireworks or playing frisbee, you can be sitting in the house and working on your zombie flash fiction story and uh, you'll be glad you did. <laughs> you'll be glad you did. Top three are going to win some stuff. We're going to get them read here on the podcast. So yeah, yeah, lots of fun. Send them in. And something else exciting that happened this week is it was the launch of a brand new website called The Corpse Collective. This is kind of the brainchild of Mike from Cadaver Lab and Brian from Drunken Zombie. And uh, they decided that it'd be cool to have a horror-themed website where writers could write articles and fiction, opinion pieces, all kinds of reviews, things like that, and just to have it all be a bunch of really, really cool people uh, just writing because they have fun writing about it, and hopefully people are going to read it. So there's a lot of fantastic people involved. Everybody involved on that website is uh, fantastic. So uh, I helped put the website together, and I'm going to write some stuff. So yeah, go to corpsecollective.com. And check it out. I'll have links in the show notes. And also, I want you to listen to the very newest Dark Hours podcast. Uh, you should be listening to the Dark Hours podcast. It's pretty good. Um, you'll hear an interview with some crazy bastard named Root Rot. I don't know who that is. And uh, also some really homely actress named Tiffany Sheppis. So yeah, yeah. Go on over and uh, check that out. And you know, lately, I've been doing the Twitter thing pretty heavily and talking to a lot of you on Twitter, because a lot of you out there are really, really cool. And, uh, you know, often, <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of tired of Twitter, but I'm, I'm kind of hooked on it, I guess. And thus, you know, I'm just acting as ridiculously as I can. And of course, you know, people are all sensitive. You know, I'm hurting a lot of feelings, I think. Um, you know, oh, people are so easily offended, as, as has been the story here. So what else is new? So the Twitter's kind of a game to me. And of course, I guess Facebook, it happens on Facebook too, because it automatically gets posted to Facebook. And so, yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of things going on. So yeah, follow me on Twitter and uh, it'll be interesting. That's for sure. It's uh, twitter.com slash midnight and speaking of, of the things that offend people, you know, there's the oil spill and how, really, I have no idea who to believe. You know, do we believe our government or do we believe BP, a big corporation? <laughs> I don't know. Which is the lesser of two evils here? I mean, come on. And everybody seems to be getting on our government's side. Barack Obama is so mad. President Obama, grr, I'm so mad. And that's all he, that's all he does, really. He just talks about how mad he is. Um, like that's going to, you know, light a fire under BP to, uh, get some things done. But 
I have no idea who to believe. I, I just don't know. <laughs> and I'm really tired of hearing about it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I offend people. But anyhow, the oil spill, Misfit Boy emailed me this article here. It's from the USA Today, and the headline is, Songwriters, send us your original song on the tragedy in the Gulf. And there's a whole little YouTube video goes with it. And so, so here's part of the article. Here, you'll get the gist of it. The devastation in the Gulf of Mexico cuts across so many lives, from fishermen to oil workers to tourists, and so many places, from beachfront hotels to bird sanctuaries. We've all been moved by the photos and personal stories of loss, disappointment, despair, and yes, hope. What we haven't heard is a song that captures some of those feelings. So we're calling on our readers to try their hand at capturing the mood of the moment in an original song. <laughs> oh boy. So they give you this little YouTube video to go by to kind of base your song upon or have it go along with. It's got to be an MP3. Um, you uh, uh, have to be like an amateur. You can't be a professional musician. So, you know, someone as talented as Lady Gaga could not enter this because she's a highly, highly talented professional. <laughs> Yeah, that's not even music. Anyhow, um, yeah, let's see. And basically, you know, USA Today can do whatever they want with it, blah, 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 blah. So this is really interesting. I would love to hear some of you come up with some really, really creative ones. <laughs> I'm really thinking of entering this, which, um, you know, Misfit Boy was kind of urging me to do when he emailed this. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking what kinds of crazy songs that we could all come up with here. So I'll put the link in my show notes. I want you to check out the article, check out the video. And uh, if you're musically inclined, or maybe lyrically inclined, maybe you're a writer, maybe you can write some cool lyrics. <laughs> and you know my sense of humor. So cool lyrics. And uh, I don't know, but I'd like to hear some of them. But thanks, Misfit Boy. That... Uh, that brings up some very interesting possibilities. All right, what good stuff do I got for you today? What is going to be the meat and potatoes of this episode, you're asking yourself? And I'm about to answer that question. I'm going to do an album review, a music review, from a band that uh, you should have all heard of by now. It's a band called Die Monster Die. They're like a horror rock kind of band. And uh, their new album just came out called Fall to Your Knees. And uh, the guys were so generous as to get in contact with me and ask me to take a listen. And uh, I'm going to be talking all about that. Now, you should have heard of them before on Cadaver Lab, uh, because uh, many, many moons ago, uh, they were interviewed, I think, and they played a bunch of music and stuff. So, yeah, very cool. I'm going to be reviewing that album in a little bit here. As far as movie reviews this week, uh, did two movies from 2009, and, and two movies that only have one-word titles. So I was very efficient. Same year, one-word titles. Yeah, less work for me. <laughs> the first one is Doghouse. This is one I, there was a lot of hype about, and a lot of people have had really good things to say about it. So what did I think of it? Well, listen on, and you will find out. Also, last week I talked about the movie Offspring. It was in an article about uh, filmmakers trying to get money in Michigan to make movies. This was one of them, Offspring. I picked it up this week, and I will tell you all about that one also. Got some voicemails, more original music. We're going to continue the weirdness of Mr. Bass's Planetoid with a whole new song this week. I don't know, nobody commented on the song last week, so I think perhaps the lyrical content is kind of too out there. Uh, being that I was 
taken it from a book. <laughs> Same this week, but different style of music. Different style of music. Oh, a completely different song. Uh, yeah, so that's just fun. Next week, I'll probably throw in another cover song. Uh, you all seem to enjoy the covers that I pull out of my head, so... <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that's coming up. Uh, I will have no review of beers this week. I did drink the Magic Hat uh, IPA. They're like putting out a whole series of different IPAs. And I tried one of them. Um, I don't even remember what it was called. It was really good. So yeah, Magic Hat's always really good, I found. Um, but yeah, yeah, no review of beers. But here's what I am going to talk about. You know, I always try to bring up some articles here to talk about crazy things that I found browsing around looking through news this week. And while I don't have a review of beers, I'm going to be talking about something else that is for maybe those people out there who aren't beer drinkers. Maybe you like your stuff a little harder, you know. Um, this first article I'm going to talk about is about vodka. This is from Alaska. WJRT, which is an ABC station somewhere, perhaps in Alaska. But this is from the Associated Press. It says... You can say it's an idea that definitely goes against the current. The Alaska distillery in Wasilla has launched a version of vodka that's flavored like smoked salmon. And even the man who helped come up with the idea suggests, quote, there was some madness and some drunkenness involved, unquote, in crafting it. Toby Foster says the idea was to come up with a local vodka that would stand out among the other bottles on liquor store shelves. And says Foster, quote, what's more Alaskan than smoked salmon, end quote. So far, the new flavor has made a splash, but not before some trial and error trying to get the taste just right. It took 48 tries, and some of the first attempts were, quote, pretty bad and greasy. <laughs> oh, salmon flavored vodka. Mm-mm-mm. Well, y'all should, uh, you know, check that out. Go to Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> See if you can get some salmon flavor vodka. You know what that made me think of? Made me think of pork soda. Right along the same lines, don't you think? This next one is pretty disturbing. Motive sought in death of five-year-old girl killed in Shelton. Now, this is out of Canada. I believe, actually, my last two articles here are out of Canada. There was a woman on vacation with her kids and her husband, who is actually the kid's stepfather, now, when the woman and her husband got into this argument about how to discipline their five-year-old daughter, or her five-year-old daughter, the husband said not to worry that he's going to take care of things. So, he decided to take care of things by taking the girl down to the basement and trying to decapitate her with a kitchen knife. <laughs> he didn't get the whole way through. <sighs> oh, yeah. yeah. The mother found the little girl downstairs in a pool of blood holding her throat in her hands when the police showed up. The, the stepfather peacefully submitted to them. and No one has any idea why he did this. He has no criminal background or anything else that would predict that he may do something like this. So this is like an investigator's worst nightmare kind of killer. Just comes out of nowhere. That is definitely the evil stepfather. Now, my last article, uh, you can take a sigh of relief. I'm going to call this one the feel-good article of the summer. That's what we got right here. Good Samaritan saves woman with severed legs. Is that a Canada again? We're in Quebec. A man was walking by a train station and he hears a woman screaming. Runs over and he sees that a woman had fallen down underneath the train and both of her legs were cut off at the thigh. So the train was gone. He managed to jump down. He took one leg and it was just gushing blood out of the arteries. He actually tied a knot, a really tight knot, in the end 
of one of the arteries, and then he put a tourniquet on the other leg, and he saved her life. She is in the hospital right now, but she is going to make it. So, right there. Would you be able to tie an artery in a knot if the situation called for it? I can think of one person listening right now who uh, would definitely be able to do that, and that would be Spooky Bill. And Because uh, I know he does those kinds of things. I don't know if he's ever done that, but he could if the situation called for it. But anyhow... Ah, oh, boy, she's going to be all right, thanks to this guy. And here's the funny thing. The guy in this article, I almost forgot this. He said that his quick and accurate handiwork on tying this artery was all due to the fact that he's a jeweler. And so he has a very steady hand and a very precise hand. So good for him. He's had no first aid training whatsoever. Ah, oh, the feel-good article of the summer. It's going to be all right. Times escaped me since 1975 And I've followed you around for such a very long time I'm gonna snatch you off the street then I'm gonna take your life And there's no hope for me I've become a creature unworthy of pity Toss you in the ground across the Mason County line And I'll keep it to myself, babe Let's hope to blind You lie and you love You ain't never gonna love And you know that the time, the time And all the birds And if everyone that you love Is dead and young Whenever they got to it What you heard right there, that song, is by a band called Die Monster Die. It's off of their newest album called Fall to Your Knees, which was just released. Uh, do me a favor, go check out their website at diemonsterdie.com. This is a very, very cool horror rock band, and uh, I'm surprised they're not a lot bigger than they are. I, I first heard about them, like I said at the beginning of the episode. I first heard Die Monster Die on uh, the Cadaver Lab podcast, 
And now Shane Diablo, who's the drummer for Die Monster Die, even has his own segment over on Cadaver Lab where he talks about uh, really cool horror music. And uh, so his first segment was just up on the newest Cadaver Lab. So you ought to go check it out. I was just listening to it. Really, really great stuff. And uh, turned me on to a couple bands I never heard of before. But uh, okay, Die Monster Die, uh, just to start off, this is a band that really characterizes what I love about horror music, horror rock, whatever. Um, they have the gruesome look that you'd expect, very gruesome. Uh, and uh, they can actually play their instruments as well. Like, this is a band that actually has talent. So two huge pluses right there, things that you don't always see in all horror bands. <laughs> but uh, the songwriting is really solid. Uh, each song is like watching a little horror movie in your head. You know, you just listen to the song, you close your eyes, and you imagine what's going on, which is the reason I love horror music and things like death metal and, and stuff like that that has really graphic lyrics. And of course, you know, we have the wonderful implicit humor in it all. There's a sense of humor. Things are downright funny. They're, they're so violent and they're so crazy in the context of, of the music you're hearing. It's just, it's hilarious to me. So, Fall to Your Knees is their newest album. The first time I heard this, I really, really dug it. I really liked it and I kept playing it over and over again. And it just keeps getting better. And especially that I can sing along with a lot of the songs now. <laughs> like, they're so darn catchy. And they're great. Um, the, the singer. The singer. Let me talk about him. Uh, Zero DeLorean. Uh, he, I love the variations that he uses in his voice. Like, in some songs, he sounds like this sick cross between Lemmy and Gigi Allen. And then in, in other songs, he uses a smoother kind of singing voice that made me think of uh, like a Michael Graves almost kind of style, but very, uh, very smooth. And he kind of puts a little warble in it for some of the some of the more uh, psychobilly songs. Like, it's really cool. He's a great vocalist. And like I said, the rest of the guys are talented as well. I mean, the guitarist is excellent. The bass player is very solid. The drummer is really, really good, uh, especially in a band like this. Um, in a lot of these bands, we do have good sounding guitarists and bassists. But uh, what lacks is a really, really good drummer. And I particularly did admire the drumming on uh, this album because I think the, the drummer is really, really good, really solid. Um, and yeah, yeah. So, but everything, everything across the board was fantastic. And uh, here we go. I love the song titles. <laughs> Let me go through all the tracks. I'm going to tell you about the songs, what I thought of them and uh, why you should go listen to this album. Go buy it. Cause it's fantastic. The first one is a Latin title. Quid, quid, Latina dictum sit altum vitator. And uh, this one starts off really heavy, and it starts off the album with a bang, which I think is really, really important and I love to see. It's kind of a thrash song and has some great uh, guitar work and stuff like that, so really fun. The next track is Laika, the Russian space dog will have her revenge. <laughs> yes. A lot of long song titles. And I'm actually a big fan of long song titles. I think song titles should be as long as you want them to be. And uh, so Laika the Russian Space Dog will have her revenge. This is more of a metal song. Uh, it, it, it just has a great line in it that keeps going through my head. Thou shalt not do such things to man's best friend. And that's why she's going to have a revenge. <laughs> awesome. Uh, next is Double Murder Suicide, which is more of a kind of straight rock song, more of a groove. And uh, I think there's a, there's a riff in this song that's actually a direct homage to uh, the Misfits. So if you have to listen to it, you uh, see if you can pick it out too. 
Uh, the next couple, they slow it down just a little bit. They don't, they don't go like ballad or anything, but they slow it down. She looks like you is like very 80s rock sounding and then uh, sky bleeds red. It's this tale of love gone wrong, <laughs> very wrong. And uh, it's the kind of thing that kind of makes me want to dance. Uh, a lot of this album made me want to dance. Uh, track six is lucky number 666. <laughs> it's, it's a song that's highly blasphemous yet catchy and fun. <laughs> <laughs> another catchy one this is more of a straight punk style one is dead flowers and then uh we have a couple psychobilly tracks uh, there were psychobilly sounding tracks not a full-out psychobilly thing but more of that sound in the next couple ones uh all covered in blood and dressed like a whore <laughs> yeah um and then there's a world needs monsters a really cool southern kind of psychobilly thing again um, the next one reminded me kind of of Gwar. Uh, it was kind of that rock metal kind of Gwar sound, uh, ship with black sails. The next one from Screaming Graves We Rise is another, uh, more of a straight rock song, but there is a cool riff in it that I liked. It was in like 15 or something like that. And I love like weird time signatures and stuff like that. So that was cool. A great song. Uh, next is Midnight Run to Houston which is really catchy, has this really cool breakdown part in it. I really dug that. Now, track 13, this one was my favorite song on the whole album, and the one that I cannot get out of my head. A priest and a zombie rent a fishing boat as friends. <laughs> oh, man. The catchiest song on the whole album, the one, like I said, that I played over and over again is in my head forever. I woke up in the middle of the night the other night, and this song was going through my head. I kid you not. I'm serious. Uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, the, the line into it, the chorus, and we will stand together, the living and the dead, united on the day when a priest and a zombie rent a fishing boat as friends. So it's inspiring, it's epic, it's wonderful. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I've already listened to that song like three times today, as a matter of fact. Great, great song. The next song is Deep Space Isolation Psychosis, another really catchy punk-style song that's really great. Uh, the next one, How Many People Do I Have to Kill Before You Know I Love You? <laughs> the title says it all. <laughs> the title says it all. And that song really, really rocks, too. I, I really, really like that one. And the last track, The Dead Shall Inherit the Earth. It's more of like a speed metal song. It's all about zombies. It even uses the No More Room in Hell line, you know. Uh, it's a great, great album closer. So from beginning to end, this thing comes in with a bang, it goes out with a bang, and it is relentless, absolutely relentless uh, in between. Um, I, I just love the variety of style here. I mean, as I was going through things, you know, we go thrash, we go metal, uh, more of a hard rock, a punk, psychobilly. There's, there's just a lot of ground covered here, and I really admire that. You know, they're not just one of these bands that takes your typical like three chord punk style and <laughs> does all of their songs like that. Uh, although, like I said, there's a time and a place for that kind of stuff and I'm not bagging on anyone that does that. Uh, but I'm just saying they take this to a whole new level. They're very, very talented songwriters, very, very talented and skilled musicians. And uh, a lot of times they're even combining styles within a single song. So maybe you'll start off in kind of metal and then you'll go into more of a groove kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's really, really fantastic. It's fun, it's catchy, and it's accessible without being retarded like most accessible music tends to be. You know, and at the same time, it's dark and gruesome and will tear out your throat. <laughs> so how does something accessible do that? Oh, I, 
I don't know. They did it. Um, you can sing along and clap and dance and be paralyzed with terror at the same time with this album. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, you need to go buy this. You will love it. If you're a fan of horror, you're a fan of metal, of rock, of, of punk, psychobilly, you got to go pick up this album. You're going to love it. Die, monster, die, fall to your knees. Of course, the links where you can go buy this will be in the Midnight Quarry show notes. How about that? I'm doing that for you. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm going to give this, out of 10, I'm going to give it a 9. A very solid 9. This was this is a great album. It is one of the few albums I actually have on my BlackBerry. My BlackBerry has an 8-gig card in it. So I haven't put a lot of music on it yet, but uh, some of the music that is on there is Die Monster Die. It's highly worth a spot. So go get this. Hey, everybody. It's Jordan, a.k.a. Carnage Cake. It's been a long time. How's everybody doing? Well, let's start off with my review of Sex of the City 2. Just kidding. I really just wanted to wish all the Canadian listeners a happy Canada Day, although you'll be hearing this after the fact. I don't know if there are any Canadian listeners other than myself and Miss Possum. And a happy Independence Day to my American friends. I was called out recently by Mr. Berdinsky. Apparently he thinks I yab more than an old Jewish woman on the phone. Regardless, if you haven't seen the Italian zombie movies parts 1 and 2, you should really get on that. Okay, Tom, you can take the gun off the back of my head now. Of course I'm kidding again. Just before I go, if there are any of you listeners that are versed with Symbian S65 edition, I really need some help. Does anybody know how to get AVI playback? If I had any hair, I'd be pulling it out, man. Anyways, that's it for now. Take care, everybody. Just wanted to say hello. Carnage Cake, I always enjoyed your segments on that other podcast whenever you sent them in, and I really, really enjoy hearing you now, and I hope you keep sending them in. Because you're one of those rare people out there on the internet that actually uses their brain, that actually thinks. <laughs> and you're, you're very intelligent, very cool. I always loved your reviews. And your thoughts are always welcome here at Midnight Corey. So thanks for stopping in and saying hello. Uh, I'm glad you did. And I know that you and Florida Possum are, are not the only Canadians listening to the podcast. I think there are many. And uh, yeah, yeah. So hopefully more will chime in. I, I do like Canada. I do. I was just there and it was a wonderful place. Six Blows in the Doghouse. But this weekend, this is the plan. They're getting away from it all. First thing we do when we get in the country, we're going to piss up all the trees. We're going to mark our territory. We're going to drink till we've forgotten how to speak. Well, Mikey reckons the women outnumber the men four to one. We're in the middle of nowhere. Please tell me you took a wrong turn. 300 miles from London, the only person we see selling a big issue. Hello? It's not evil dead, those things with the claws and the teeth. Where did all the men go? <laughs> <laughs> Why, calm down. Sound like a dolphin. You boys have actually created him. It's an army of pissed off, man-hating, cannibals. Me and you, watching Sundance. They both died. Have a nibble. You know you want it. That's my man. 
and go down there and bash the living shit out of anything can address. Bloody hell, Vince. Not very PC, is it? <laughs> so sexy, do you know that? Why don't we forget about all this? This finger food. Doghouse, released last year, 2009. Uh, I had heard a lot about it. Uh, this was being called a zombie movie. And, uh, you know, being, again, we're in a day and age where a zombie can be anything. Anybody can call anything they want a zombie. Actually, to record this podcast, I am speaking into a zombie, which is connected via a zombie into a, a zombie, which actually splits uh, a, a lot of zombies all at the same time, and you can mix them down into one zombie. And then I have another zombie coming out of that zombie that goes into the zombie that I'm recording in. And, uh, you know, that's how I do my podcast. And uh, right now I'm drinking a, a zombie zero. Yeah, for my caffeine intake. When I, uh, uh, you know, click on the computer, I'm clicking the zombie. Um, and the, uh, the program that I use to record with is uh, actually called Zombie. And it is a zombie program. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Anyhow, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. Um, what was I even talking about? Doghouse. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so people were calling this a zombie movie, so I'm like, well, whatever, because it isn't. It's, uh, it has many zombie-like characteristics, which confuses a lot of people. You know, if it's zombie-like, then it's full-fledged zombie, so whatever. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so I, I put off seeing this. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, but I'd heard a lot of great things about it. So I picked it up. The The story to this one is uh, there's a guy going through a divorce. This is in the UK. And so he's down in the dumps. So all his buddies get together and they decide to take him on this drunken retreat to this remote town where they're just going to do this guy thing all weekend or whatever and, and basically just get drunk the whole time. <laughs> Well, when they get there, they find out that the town happens to be the, the object of this government testing. It's some kind of virus that only affects women. And uh, they released it. And so all the women turned into these bloodthirsty demon things, killing all the men in the town. And so the guys who have just arrived in town got to figure out how to escape. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically the whole movie. There's there's not much to it. Uh, overall, it, it is very, very well made. I mean, the quality is top notch. It looks like it had a pretty decent budget. Uh, the acting is excellent. There are no bad actors in it whatsoever. Uh, the music choices that they used, I thought, really worked well. I really enjoyed those. And overall, the movie is a lot of fun. It's kind of a tribute to 80s horror but kind of a UK version of it. It reminded me a lot at times of like Return of the Living Dead in that uh, they were kind of in this town that uh, that everybody had, uh, you know, turned, you know, basically into these demon things. And so they're running around this deserted town and trying to get from it. It reminded me a lot of the Return of the Living Dead kind of thing. It also reminded me, obviously, of Dario Argento's Demons because I think this is directly influenced by that because they, a lot of the demons looked like Dario Argento's demons and behaved like them and things like that. And I think above all else, it had an Evil Dead influence. And there is no question, no argument about that, because uh, we have scenes in this comic book shop and uh, where they're talking about the Evil Dead and, and it's directly referenced in the movie. They actually describe these creatures as acting like the ones that they had in Evil Dead. So... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, typical English humor, and I think this is actually 
primarily a comedy uh, because the humor is brilliant and funny. And I, I hate to keep making comparisons to Shaun of the Dead, but this is probably one of the more appropriate parallels um, because everybody's comparing everything to Shaun of the Dead. Um, but this one was was very close comedy-wise to it because, again, these guys, this one guy actually going through a divorce and all the other guys are are trying to, to help him out. So there's that whole story there with this whole attack going on during it. Um, and it's brilliant. It is very, very funny. None of it is stupid. Um, but at the same time, it's like intensely violent. <laughs> there is a lot of violence in this. Uh, it's downright brutal. We have a lot of headshots, fingers chopped off and eaten, people torn apart, head split in half with an axe. I mean, it's great and it looks good. I don't think there was any CG. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, you know, being such a big homage to 80s horror, uh, I, I thought it was interesting we had a role reversal. Here uh, We really did, because usually in 80s horror, I mean, think about Friday the 13th and think about uh, some of the Halloween movies. I know that was 79 or whatever, but you know, you know what I mean. A lot of the typical 80s horror, we had females chased by males. Well, this one flips it on its head, and it's the males chased down by the females. So I thought that was kind of an interesting slant on things. Like I said, uh, the makeup, the effects looked great. Um, lots and lots of blood and gore. I mean, you are in for a lot. So you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be terrified. <laughs> and like I said, the creatures are not zombies. They're sort of this hybrid possession zombie thing. And, you know, it's the same kind of thing as if, if, you, if you call Argento's Demons a zombie movie. Or if you call Evil Dead a zombie movie. It's just not. Um, I think... I've said this over and over again, and uh, I know people just don't listen. People just don't think the same way I do. Darn it, why not? <laughs> no, but it's like Evil Dead and this and demons all belong kind of inside the broader genre of, of zombie-ish movies. Things that have influenced zombie movies and been influenced by zombie movies. So, yeah, but this isn't a zombie movie. I'm sorry. It's really not. So, but I had a lot of fun with it. I enjoyed the violence. I enjoyed the comedy. I love uh, British comedy, and they did it so well here. I'm going to give it the rating of 9 out of 10. You definitely need to see this movie. And I'm going to say it again, as I've been saying for a long while now, the UK is quickly becoming the champion of horror. Oh, yeah. Midnight Cory. It's a knife in your eye. Midnight Cory. It's a fistful of glass. Midnight Cory. It will make you regret the day you were born. Midnight Cory. It's a hammer to the face. Midnight Cory. It's the nightmare that never ends. Midnight Cory. It's time to die. Midnight Cory. It's slippery with intestines. Midnight Cory. It's the smell of burning flesh. Join, Join us at midnightcory.com. some godforsaken place called Dead River, you? Are you aware of any retro hippie commune or something Excuse else? Excuse me? There was a girl out here last night. 
wake you, George. I need you to see something for me. your heart out. Offspring, 2009. So this is released last year. And if you'll recall, the only reason I ever knew this existed was because of that article from last week where they made this in Michigan and uh, the, the filmmaker, Andrew Van Den Houten, uh, had applied to the government to, to get money from the Tourist Bureau, I guess, so they can uh, you know promote the state and whatever. And he's trying to make a sequel right now. They're more hesitant to do that. And it, it could be a variety of reasons. But before I get into this, I want to play a voicemail from my friend Spooky Bill, who happens to be from Michigan and uh, tries to clear some things up. Hey, Corey, Spooky Bill. Just listened to episode uh, six, I believe. And uh, you, uh, I don't remember the name of the movie. It was a cannibal movie. It was filmed in Michigan. Now being, uh, living in Michigan, um, I uh, have seen on the news a, uh, this department where they send all the scripts for approval. And the way that this news uh, um, story made it look is there was like one guy and they showed a de- his desk like piled high with, with scripts. I don't know. I think it was just t- talking about, you know, oh, the film industry coming to Michigan, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, this dude, he was like 60 years old, and I don't know if he is the only dude, but that's kind of what they made it look like. And, uh, yeah, I, that's what I wanted to say about that, but the thing is, Michigan, you know, we're hurting economy-wise. I mean, everywhere is, but freaking around my area, Detroit area, um, suburbs of, technically, but we're built, I mean, these, these towns around here are built on the auto industry. Auto industry is failing. I've got we've got Ford truck plants and everything shutting down, laying people off. I live near a a, a Ford truck plant. Um, that's why I, I use that for example because I'm right by it. Anyway, I, can we really afford to be turning down you know movies that want to film in Michigan because we think they're offensive? Um, it just, you know it just doesn't make sense why they would love one and not another. Well, one of the good things um, about Michigan is uh, that a lot of uh, a lot of people are coming here to film. They don't have to bring their crew because we have a studio around here, um, so they can you know use them if they want. Oh, well, supposedly near my area they were filming. Uh, well, I know they were filming, but uh, shoot, what's the name of the movie? Oh, it was a remake about uh, I think. At the time, it was Russians taking over America. This time, it's Chinese Red uh, taking over America, high school. Uh, damn it. 
Oh, well. Anyway, you know, there have been a lot of movies filmed around here. Even parts of Transformers was filmed around here. Uh, I don't know. That's all. I just kind of wanted to just kind of bitch about the whole Michigan turning down people's scripts because they think that they're offensive. But anyway, that's all. I'm uh, about to work. Bye. Well said, Spooky Bill. A very good point. You know, the auto industry has put a huge dent, I'm sure, in anything that Michigan tries to do at this point, which is a shame because more people do need to come in and shoot things. And, uh, dude, I really appreciate you calling in, Bill. You're the man. You are the man. Anyhow, anyhow. So there we go. Uh, yeah, this was made with some taxpayer money. So there you go. So uh, I'm, I'm watching this movie, and the whole time I've decided that I was going to attempt to answer the question, does this movie make me want to go be a tourist in Michigan? Do I want to go visit the great state of Michigan after watching this movie? So I'll tell you what my conclusion is at the end of the review. Um, this is what I would classify as modern horror exploitation. It really, really is. Um, it's based on a book by Jack Ketchum. And uh, I've never read any Jack Ketchum, although I've read a lot about him. I know who he is and I know what he does. And uh, I know a lot of people are fans of him. He's, a, he's an excellent author from what I've heard. Uh, he, he does a lot of violence toward women and children and uh, just tries to be really, really extreme. And he, he does it again in this. Uh, he actually wrote the screenplay. So I started watching the movie and I was, I was very surprised. <laughs> in fact, in my notes here, all I could write was, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. The very first scene of the movie, here's what happens. The very first scene, a family who has a cabin in the woods is killed and eaten, including the baby, which is put in a clear plastic bag for our viewing pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And this is, the, this is the movie that, you know, we have a group of cannibals that lives in the woods along the coast of New England, and they stalk their prey up and down the coast. And the movie focuses then on, on this other family with a house in the woods, and the cannibals attack them. So we're, we're playing through the storyline kind of of what's going on with this family, and then what happens whenever the cannibals come in and wreak havoc. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I guarantee that all the money that Michigan gave them to make this movie went toward the gore and the effects. All practical. Hooray. Hooray. All practical effects. They looked fantastic, and there was a lot. There was a lot of blood, a lot of gore, a lot of violence, a lot of body parts. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, this is not for the queasy. <laughs> but at the same time, it features some beautiful scenery. They did some nice things in the way of aerial shots and coastal things. I mean, really, really great. Um, it's too bad that the acting, though, was mediocre. It wasn't great. It was okay. There were a couple in there. I thought that actually the cannibals uh, did a fantastic acting job, especially the head uh, woman cannibal. And they're, they're kind of speaking in their own language in this kind of grunsp and raspy things. And it sounded really great. She did a great job. A lot of the cannibals hiding out in the cave and everything were really, really effective, I thought. However, however, and I know this has been a, a complaint across the board about it, is that uh, the cannibals... You know, they're supposed to be savage and kind of a tribal-looking kind of thing. And uh, their their whole get-up was kind of goofy. Uh, I, first of all, I hated the wigs. They had these terrible, like, uh, frizzy wigs. And it, it just looked really dumb. Um, but, uh, you know, hey, uh, what can you do? They, they acted good. They just looked kind of not that great. 
But like I said, absolutely brutal. We have kids stabbing and eating people, stabbing and eating other kids and babies, and laughing while they're doing it. I mean, one of the things to me, I'm looking on the screen and there's nothing more disturbing to me than seeing this little kid just ripping somebody else apart and eating them and laughing while they're doing it. Oh, wow, wow, yes, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I just loved, you know, the, the filmmakers had no problem killing off a lot of the characters and very, very sudden deaths and very violent deaths. And then they get eaten. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, I, I had this whole rant about, you know, what do you call a zombie? What don't you call a zombie over in the doghouse thing? And I'm going to ask the same question here. You know, we're again, we're in a day and age when people call anything and everything a zombie. So allow me to consider whether cannibals are zombies, because that's what we have here. It's textbook tribal savage cannibals. Um, they eat human flesh and zombies eat human flesh. Um, they're still alive. The cannibals are still alive. If they're dead, they're dead. They can't do anything. And so zombies, you know, I mean, people call 28 Days Later a zombie movie and whoops, they're still alive. Well, you know, that that kind of lines up here. So, OK, we're doing pretty good. And uh, the cannibals are, are very indiscriminate, you know, the, except that they don't consume their own, but they'll eat pretty much anything that moves. And wait a minute, zombies do that, too. So can we call cannibals zombies? And so can we call Offspring a zombie movie? Hmm. Very interesting. Well, <laughs> I'm going to quit playing the devil's advocate here, and uh, you know my stance on it, where there are a lot of zombie-like movies and a lot of things that belong kind of alongside the zombie genre because there are so many characteristics that uh, are similar between them, but th that doesn't make this a zombie movie. No. This is a cannibal movie, very close to a zombie movie. I enjoy cannibal movies for very much the same reasons that I enjoy zombie movies. And uh, yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But anyhow, overall, it, it was pretty fun. 7 out of 10 is what I'm going to give it. Um, you know, there were a couple weak parts, and I guess people have complained that this is one of the weakest catch -em adaptations that they've seen on the screen. So here we go. I'm going to answer the question now. Do I want to visit Michigan after seeing this movie? Do I want to become a tourist? And I got to give a resounding hell no. <laughs> I don't want to go to Michigan. <laughs> so yeah, like I told you last week, they are petitioning Michigan for more money so that they can make a sequel to this. Same guy. Um, it makes sense, actually, though. It really does, because there are some unanswered questions that I think that they could explore in the next movie, and they could kind of build off of what they already did. And I don't know. It could be pretty good, too. So hopefully it gets made. But yeah, yeah, you ought to give this one a watch. It's pretty brutal. Hey, Corey, this is Mitch Ocker. I want, I want to call and thanks to Trevor for telling me about your awesome podcast. And yeah, that's all I want to say. Bye. Mitch, it is always great to hear from new people. I appreciate that you called. I know I've been talking to you on Facebook and stuff like that, too. And uh, I really appreciate that Ertrov is, is kind of recruiting new listeners and things like that. That's really cool. And the whole word of mouth thing is what I'm all about. 
So feel free to call in as often as possible and yeah, look me up on Facebook and stuff whenever I'm uh, around and I'll be happy to talk with you. But I appreciate you listening to the podcast and to the fact that I just ramble a lot and I never make a whole lot of sense, but I try and have fun with what I do. So yeah, there you go. But uh, Mitch, great to hear from you, my friend. Why don't rapists cheat in TGI? <laughs> Last week I played you an original song and it's based on my whole, it was actually my old podcast called Podcast M, so that's why you hear it kind of at the beginning. Um, Last week was uh, Short Long Long Short Long Wait, and it was more of kind of a weird kind of acoustic progressive kind of thing sort of maybe, I don't know. But uh, this week, uh, I'm bringing you the very next song that I, I wrote and recorded only three days after that, uh, or five days after that. Um, it's called N.O.W. <laughs> and this one is completely different than last week. And that's, you know, me. I like, I like variety. So what can you do? It's called N.O.W. And this was uh, using several, several tracks of thick, uh, distorted electric guitar. And uh, I, I use my Kramer. I have a Kramer. Uh, electric guitar that's just a fantastic, fantastic axe. And I love playing that thing. But uh, I tuned the whole thing down to a big, fat, open B at one point. It's got a Floyd Rose bridge, and um, and I wanted, so what started happening was uh, the neck, obviously, the tension on the neck. It was uh, very much less <laughs> when you down-tune. So the neck kind of got weird. I had to had to fix the neck and uh, the bridge and everything after doing that. But I had this whole long stretch here where I wrote a bunch of songs in that big fat B sound, and it sounded really really cool. And this is one of them. This is one of them. N O W. So yeah, it's another heavy one. And uh, next week maybe I'll, I'll I'll break it up a little bit and give you something else. But here we go. This is a song called N O W from my good old podcast M. Podcast, podcast M. M. Oh, <laughs> 
That's all I got for you this week. Hope you have a great 4th of July. I want you to set off a lot of explosive things and drink. Drink, drink, drink. And then set off explosive things. That's the American way. <laughs> yes. Oh, So anyhow, thank you to Die Monster Die uh, for uh, asking me to take a listen to their new album. It's absolutely fantastic. And I'm a big fan now of theirs. Absolutely. You know, Mike at Cadaver Lab calls Die Monster Die the greatest horror rock band out there. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe he was just saying that because they're all from Utah, like they're a band from Utah. Mike's from Utah. And I know everyone in Utah, you know, sticks together and stuff like that. So I thought maybe, you know, he, he's friends with them. But he's absolutely right. I think this is one of the greatest horror rock bands out there right now that you can listen to. So definitely look them up. DieMonsterDie.com. Uh, you have very, very little time um, to turn in your zombie flash fiction for the Eric S. Brown and David Dunwoody zombie flash fiction contest. July 4th at midnight. Yep, yep, yep. Send them in 500 words or less. Send it to Corey at midnightcory.com with zombie flash fiction contest in the subject line. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. But in the meantime, you can also go to midnightcory.com. Do check out my blog and the show notes and all the links to all the stuff I've been talking about today. You can call the voicemail line 814-806-2828. Let me know what you're thinking. Give me a 4th of July shout out. Actually, that would be great. Why doesn't everybody call the voicemail of death this weekend? The birthday of the USA? <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. Tell me how your 4th of July is going. I'd like to know. So 814-806-2828. Hope to hear from you can also hear me on wonderful podcasts such as Library of the Living Dead with my good friend Dr. Puss and all the good librarians over there. And also my friend James Melzer, his podcast Unleashed. And you should also be listening and reading all of the other wonderful things that he has going on over at jamesmelzer.net. It's fantastic stuff. So next week, I am finally going to do this. I'm going to start... I'm going to talk about White Zombie. I'm going to be talking about the birth of the zombie and uh, give you a little background as to where it came from because I love zombies. If you know that about me at all, I, I, I dig them. I love zombie movies, but real zombie movies. And I'm going to tell you how it all started. I'm going to talk about one of the very first ever zombie movies. This might be the first ever zombie movie. White Zombie, 1932, Bela Lugosi, yeah, yeah, can't go wrong. So, and I will probably have other reviews too. But that's for next week. So until then, have a good time. Stay loose and stay safe. And I will talk to you later. And we will stand together. In the temple of Osiris, you can feel the beating heart of forgotten God looks